How are we doing? That's good. God has his hand on you. Amen? We need his hand. Understanding his will. That tree is kind of blocking the hell. That's okay. That's cool. Boy, Austin, you tricked my, that's my, you know, that's, I don't know. I like the trees, but I don't know what that else is. <laughs> We're figuring that out. All right, so good. Um, today we're in Ephesians 5. You know, we, we, uh, we, we had a break last week because we had a special guest speaker, and we enjoyed our uh, special guest. He just was encouragement to our hearts, and what a blessing uh, to hear a different take on things and, and the things that uh, we talked about, creation and some of the scientific Thinking and uh, yeah, just many, many, many good words of truth about how we can believe God, know He has a plan, a purpose. You know, things just didn't happen, did they? Things just didn't happen, but God was in, in, in intertwined in the mix of creation. And so, just so you know, that's not me in the forest. That's not me walking in the. Praise the Lord. I don't know. That's okay. Ephesians is a, an interesting book. Paul was writing from prison. He was trying to write to the, to the readers to encourage them on. Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, uh, was a firebrand for God. He went to as a missionary. He, he traveled uh, far parts of the world. He was in danger in his life. He was exposed to the elements. He had Good days and bad days, just like you and I, isn't it? Just like you and I. You have good days and bad days. Uh, every day is a good day, but some days are better. That, is, that, is that okay? We use that phrase. Every day is a good day, but some days are better. And uh, I've chosen this title, uh, Understanding His Will, because how many want to understand God's will? You know, is that, that's, a, that's a heavy question. Uh, so we're going to deal a little bit what Ephesians talks about in chapter 5. We read uh, a couple of verses. Last, last time we were in Ephesians, we talked about a little bit about growing up and maturing and coming to a place in our lives where God is, uh, uh, you know, he's, 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 we're maturing enough to know, know more about him and know how he would respond and, you know, having his characteristic in our life. We talked about how uh, Paul mentions about the prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You never, we're, we're never called to do it by ourselves. Are we? We're never called to uh, be the lone ranger, so to speak, in the kingdom of God. It's all about people connecting. And when it comes down to it is God who is doing and orchestrating I'm so glad that he, he is for us. Amen. He's for you and your situation as you look to him. So verse 1, we're calling our first point from verse 1, being the imitators of God. That's a, that's, a, that's a challenge right there, being an imitator. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children 
and walk in love. What does imitating God look like? Well, the basics are this. For God so loved the world, right? He gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. God is love, right? But he loves us enough, so much, that he does not want us to perish. He does not want us to lose eternity without him. Therefore, he has provided for us a way to be saved, a way to be ready to meet him through Jesus Christ, the cross, the resurrection. And whosoever believed on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This idea about imitating God is not as easy as easier said than done. Our guest speaker reflected on this, the idea of ref, the moon reflects the sun, right? Remember that picture he had? The moon reflects the sun. In, ex, in essence, we are also to reflect God reflect the person, the image, the presence of God. If we are going to be a reflector, then I must be in that place where I can absorb and receive from God, hear from God, be in his word to learn what God is, who he is. How does he think? What does he say about this? What does he say about that? Jesus himself demonstrated one of the greatest, probably the greatest statement of love for all time is that he gave his life up to be a ransom. And he said these words, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends in John's Gospel 15, verse 13. No greater love then one lays down his life for his friends. But not only did he lay down his life for his friends, he laid down his life for the stranger, for the, the one that wasn't for him, for the ones that despised him, for the ones that hated him. He still laid down his life even for his enemy. In fact, Jesus talked about loving our enemies, praying for our enemies, praying for those who despitefully use you. This love walk is not a piece of cake. No, it isn't. Love is challenging. Love can be hard. Love people who have hurt you. That's a hard thing to do. Forgiving those who have hurt you. That's a hard thing to do. But with God, and we'll read on in the verse. Walk in love, verse 2, just as Christ also loved you, gave himself up for us in offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Do not let immorality or any impurity or greed or even be named among you as is proper among saints, that there be no filthiness, silly talk, of course, jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. <laughs> in other words... God helps us to speak better. God helps us to clean up, right? 
God helps us not to become conformed to the world. Monstered men around the construction sites are notorious for words that I would not want to repeat. But it's the culture. What Paul is saying, you've been saved, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, now you have a better way to live. Now you are to go out and stay true, be strong. And it's not that we're saying we're better than anyone else. It's just saying that we're maybe a little different. Our values are different. And so we just love people. And, you know, I've had a, I've had a couple of times where I felt it was okay to say, you know what? We should probably use a better word there. How about that? And I just, you know, maybe we should use this word instead. It's just, and they knew me enough that it was, I, I was felt okay that, to say that. And it all goes back to your love. Love people, even though they are coarse, even though it's, they're rough, on the edges, and we all have stuff that we need to clean up, right? How many knows? We're not pointing the finger at anyone. The one in whom we ought to look to to measure our standard is Jesus. Amen. It's not about what he or she, well, look what they do, and they're a believer. Well, okay, yeah, whatever. God is not finished with them yet. What is God calling you and I as brothers and sisters before the Lord? Now, go down further. Verse 5, For this you know with certainty that no immoral, impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So, I cannot save myself. I cannot live good enough. But the fact that the Holy Spirit comes into my heart and life now is giving me the power to say no to sin. And there are things like in the Bible that are practical, like the young man Joseph who was enticed by a woman that was not his wife. He was being enticed, trying to be tempted to, you know, do the wrong thing. He ran. And he fled. And so it's a practical situation. To guard our heart, not get ourselves into a situation where we would regret. Imitating, what would, what would Jesus do? That's a good question. What would the Lord do? And so we read on. These are, these are this is truth. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. What is he saying? Verse 7, therefore do not be partakers. What is he saying? He said, don't go along with the crowd. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't just go with the flow of this world, of the nature of the course that is set on 
And one place is to set on fire. The enemy is the small letter G-O-D, God of this world, right? Paul taught about that in another place. Now, for us to understand what is going on, later the next chapter Paul's going to deal with spiritual warfare. So Satan has been at trying to get man to fall since the beginning in the garden and ever since from that point. And he will try to arrange situations if he can. And he will try to put people down if he can. And he will try to get at marriages if he can. And he will try to break up homes if he can. How many know that our culture is you know, in very much a need? We need help in how to just get along and love each other. There are so many factors. It's difficult. Love is not an easy thing. Love is not always a feeling, is it? Right? Dave, you don't feel like so lovey-dovey. Are you there? Are you real? There will be days when you maybe don't feel. But God, when I draw near to him, he draws near to me. And so what Paul is talking about here is that in that previous chapter, he mentioned in chapter 2, looking back in this book of Ephesians, he says in verse 1 of chapter, you were dead. You were dead. in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Notice that phrase, the course of this world. That's what the world does. That's the, cor- that's the nature of the world. To live for self, to live for whatever I can get, I'm going to get. Not caring about one another, but only concerned for what's in it for you. According to the prince, verse 2, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And then we go down further. But God being rich, God being rich, intervened, sent his son, intervened, come on to the, into this world and lived among us, dwelt among us, became flesh. That's just unbelievably Hard to understand God coming down, becoming flesh, walking amongst us, living amongst us, becoming one of us, yet remaining God. And he's a supreme sacrifice. There's nothing we can say to Jesus that he will not understand. There's no temptations, there's no trial that he does not understand himself. Right? Because he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. He endured the cross. He was despised by man, Isaiah. That's going to be a great chapter in 53 when we get there. He was despised. He was forsaken. He was looked down upon. Yet he gave his life as an offering. And so therefore, Paul, being saved out of his lifestyle, 
and coming into faith just begins to unravel. Begins to, he's to be, being able to identify with sinner and he identifies with saint. Now, when I say saint, that's not perfect people. Saints are people that are covered by the blood of Jesus, basically. They have received Christ. They become saints. God looks now through Jesus, sees you as being made whole. And so Paul, later, verse 11, he talks about not even participating with the deeds of darkness, but instead exposing them. In other words, you go into the world, and out of the world, you become a light that shines in darkness. You become a bright hope to those who are in uh, hopeless situations and exposes. He says it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them. It's just, it's just we just don't want to go there. We just don't want to make ourselves, put ourselves in any situation. That would bring shame to our Lord. Well, he, he, he quotes from another Old Testament verse. Awake sleeper, I believe that's out of Isaiah. Awake sleeper, verse 14. Arise from the dead, Christ will shine. This is a picture. Awake sleeper. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We were. But when we came to Christ, we were awakened. We become a new creation. The process starts at the moment of receiving Christ. A process of what? Of becoming more and more imitators of God. Becoming more like Him. So that others, you've heard this statement, you may be the only Bible someone else reads. How many heard that? You may be the only inspiration that someone's getting right now. And that should be encouragement to you to, to have something upon your heart when you go into the workplace, believing God, having a word. I remember there was a particular person at holiday. I used to go there quite often for coffee in the morning. And I, I remember this quite a, quite a long time ago. He would always say, what's the good word? What an opportunity to say something good, to say something positive, you know, and it's, it's, it's easy to get into the negative side of things. Oh, there's nothing good happening. Oh, my goodness. You know, you can get there. You get bogged down with it. But what's the good word? The good word is God is on the throne. God is for us. God has all power. God has power to heal. There's all kinds of things we can think of. Not to get too preachy or anything to people. I said, you know what? We are blessed. Look where we get to live. People come up here and say, wow, what's so beautiful. I wish I could live here. And, you know, they go on and on and on. All right? Till the snows hit. It's all your nature, it's all in your it's all in your attitude. Life is full of a lot of things we can say, oh, what's the use? But God. You know, when he created this world, he said, 
It is good. Right? In the very beginning, it is good. Life with God is good. Life without God is not good. Empty. Nothing to look forward to. Only the temporary stuff. Now I need to go on. Second point. Second point is making most of your time. So we get to live whatever, 70, 80, 90, some have lived 100 plus. Right? I'm not going to ask you how old you want to live here. I'm not going to ask that. Here's my answer. Depends on how I feel. But the point is this. Even if I live to be 100, not that long in comparison to all eternity, right? So while we're here, Paul is saying, make the most of your time. Verse 15, backing up. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Now, wisdom. If you were given the choice to have a lot of money, I shouldn't ask this. I will. Or to have wisdom, which would you pick? I'd like a little of each. Yeah? But really, when it comes down to it, if you have wisdom, it's worth more than money. Because wisdom chimes in with what God sees. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. So that we can say, you know what? That's not the best use of my time. We have to learn to say no, don't we? We have to sometimes say, well, okay, I got this going on, I got that going on, but wisdom is managing. Maybe not the maybe the answer is not making more money. Maybe the answer is, oh boy, is how to save more money. Is it could it be? The wisdom that God has for you and I. The wisdom that comes from above. Not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. Making most of your time is huge. While we're here, the only thing that we're going to get to take with us, what is what? We want to take our friends and our family. We want them to be in heaven, right? The only thing that we really get to take with us is another person. We may not go at the same time unless we get caught up all together. Think about this for a moment. What is it that takes up the majority of my time? 
well, we sleep, whatever, six, eight hours, 12, whatever, you figure it out. And all the rest of the day is we get 10, 12 hours, 13, 14, give or take a couple, three. Really, when you start to boil it all down and you figure out how many hours you work in a week, and then you figure out how much time you really get to spend with your family, oh boy, stuff, stuff, stuff's going on, right? Time, and this is what I'm, I'm seeing older. I get, oh my goodness, how time goes by quicker. What is that all about? Time, time goes, goes, goes. How many can, can't believe it's already the middle of October? I thought it was just June a little bit. Time goes by quickly because we're occupying our mind. There's so many things. I think that's what it is. We're occupied. When I was a young boy, I couldn't wait for Christmas, and it took so long. It was simpler then, less responsibilities, and I probably wasn't as occupied in my mind. That's, all. that's the only reason I could come up with a thing, that time is seemingly going by faster, but really we, get all the, we, we all get the same amount of time per day. I'm not talking about years. That varies. But every, every day that goes by, my dad who lived to be 97, would, he'd say, you can't stop time. Right. You can't stop time. What is he saying? You, it, change is going to happen. If you don't think change is going to happen, look back about two or uh, eight years ago at your driver's license. Hello? I touched a nerve there. I, 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 I do that, oh my goodness, was I tired when I took that picture? Was I, you know, what was I, you know, really? You know, you start to think, wow, stuff is changing. Do you know that it's a part of life that change? Change. Things are changing. The world is going at such a crazy pace. We try to cram it all in because this is, we can get caught up. This is what we want to do. This is what we need to do to be happy. This is what, we, and, and we, we, I'm not saying you can't do anything. I'm not saying you shouldn't go on a vacation. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy. Just, just, just valuing your time, thinking about, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have these many years I had, a, I had a doctor say, I don't know if it's a doctor. I think it was a doctor friend. He got out a ruler, a measuring thing. Somebody told me about this. And he said, how old are you? And the guy was maybe in his 60s. Well, this is where you're at on the ruler. And of course, you got all this space over here, and then you got this little space. Whoa. Whoa. What do I want to do with the rest of my life? And if you're young and you're getting started, just enjoy, make the most of every day. Make the most of every opportunity. Be thankful that God gives you another. This is the other thing that, that really uh, grabs at my heart. When Jesus said, take one day at a time, you know what he was talking about. Because we try to figure out and try to plan years and years ahead, and that's okay to do that. But really, when it comes down to it, we don't know for sure, do we? And we have to go back to 
understanding the title. What is God's will? Oh, that little word will. Oh, James said it's something like this. If God wills, then I will do this. I will have a business and we'll go to such and such a city. We'll make a profit. If God's willing. Guess what? God wants to give you a good life because he's good. God has provision for you. God has stuff for you that you can't even imagine. Yet to come. And I will keep in perspective. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this. So teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. In other words, we didn't get caught up in what the world is saying, you've got to have this and this and this and this to be successful. Wait a minute. I am successful because he is in me. And God has a plan for my life. And if I will trust him, he will lead me every day to his perfect will. And a lot of our, the will thing, a lot of about the will of God, is the barometer, is the measure of peace that comes with the will of God. Oftentimes, if it's turmoil and a lot of frustration, you probably need to back up a little bit and say, wait a minute. Let's take a breath. Let's seek the Lord about this. Let's ask God to guide us. Let's ask the Lord to lead us. I remember when we were buying a house, we moved in 25 plus years ago. We bought a home, a, a pre-built home. And uh, the home that we put money down on, Terry and I were driving back to our, our old place toward Palisade, and we're on this stretch. And Nathan, you, you went that way last night, didn't you? And we, we pulled right over on the, in, the, in, the, in the country. Just pulled, I just pulled over, and I, I had to get out of my car. And I, I said, I don't feel peace about this house. And you said, Carrie said, I don't either. Isn't that cool? Isn't that just like God? You know what happened? We had to go back and eat humble pie, so to speak, and back out of the deal, which wasn't fun. I don't like to let people down. But we just didn't feel right that something came along that was better. Something came by more in our budget. And it fit. And it was right. Isn't that God? Isn't that just like him? He has plans for us. He has purpose for us. He has the best interest in his heart for you. He has that which is tailor-made when it comes to having, well, Sora, a maid for your life. God can help us. I love that Alvern said. He said, my advice to young people, if you're seeking the Lord, keep your eyes on the Lord. And if you happen to see someone else that is pursuing the Lord, kind of like yourself, then maybe you can consider it. Isn't that good advice? Just press in toward God and you will become attractive. And you will attract the right person. I believe that. You know, God wants to help us in our relationship. It's a good thing. 
because that's the very next verses that he gets into in this chapter. When he gets done with time, he starts to talk about the home life. And now he, just before we get to the home, in verse 18, he says something like this. In verse 18, he says, don't get drunk. That's what the Bible says. Don't get drunk with wine. Now he says that this in addition. That is a dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So in other words, being drunk with wine is kind of a counterfeit. I think it's Satan's counterfeit to what the real thing is. God giving you the Holy Spirit. That gives you the best. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to sing songs to praise God, to sing hymns. Well, I might have heard it says hymns. Maybe yours doesn't. Spiritual songs, things that have truth. The words that come from the Bible, that come from God himself as God's word spoken, that we can declare that brings life. Always giving thanks. And then he gets right into it. It's like he just switches gears altogether. Wives, be subject to your... Chet, he loves this. Wives, be subject to your own husband. As to the Lord. Little key there. Wives, be subject to your husband. As to the Lord. Back it up a little bit. In verse 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's before he gets to husband and wife. What he's talking about is brother and sister. Husband and wife also, if they're both believers, are brother and sister. So I have a feeling that he's trying to remind and encourage, because we have the Lord in our lives, he's number one. Be subject to your husband as to the Lord. Because God has set it up in such a way, the husband, verse 23, is the head. He takes responsibility. He's to be the spiritual leader. He's to be the one that's really the umbrella like over the home. He himself being the savior of the body. That's a kind of a hard phrase. But as the church is subject to Christ, now he reflects the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Let me just say it plainly if I can. The husband was never meant to be a dictator. Not someone that Rules, but leads. Indifference. Gentle. That stands up for the things that are righteous. If there's a man that will follow God, and if there's a woman that is looking to God, that man that is following God will probably be more attractive. Right? And I don't want to get into making this harder than it is. The bottom line is this. We all need help when it comes to our relationships with one another. Sometimes marriages break up. Christian marriages. 
Let's just be real and open. Why is that? Because there are some things that are out of our control and some things we may have added to. And some things you never meant, were never meant, you, you never thought it would ever happen. You know, there's all kinds of scenarios that are going on. And we as a church should never point the finger. Rather, we should say, you know, is there something I can do to help? None of us are perfect. We all need the Lord to help us in our marriages. Further on, not only our marriages, but our home. Because guess what? Jesus instituted, or God instituted the home before he instituted the church. Yeah? God created the home. God created man and woman to become the unit, the home, so their children would be raised to know the Lord. Sounds like a perfect setting, doesn't it? But it it can get so muddled and messed up because the prince and the power of darkness gets in the muddled things. And so we have to keep focusing back on the Lord. Having the heart of Jesus in the marriage works both ways, husband and wife. The best marriage is when both are together serving the Lord and we get this third strand in the book of Ecclesiastics. Somebody read that sometime. There's three strands are not easily broken. That third strand is the Lord himself that wants to be involved. The appointed thing uh, Ecclesiastes 3.1. That's, that's, that's talking about our making the most of our time. But when it comes to our home life, sometimes if we just need time together. Ooh. But for guys like me that love to work, I got to sometimes get kind of knocked on the head. You need to take time for the family. I say, okay. I don't know about you, but it always pays off. The time you invest in your kids and your grandkids, the time that you invest in praying and reaching out to them, it's going to pay off. Now, no matter where you're at, no matter if you've had a you know, a blowout in your family, no matter what, whatever, there's still hope. Because God is a God of reconciliation. Even when we don't agree on everything, there's still this element of respect and honor and doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. The home brings ought to be a safe place. The home ought to be a safe place for kids to grow up in and then go out and make their own homes. But so often the case isn't that way. So often in our world, and our culture, it's not a safe place. And we have so many challenges that are going on. But Paul is saying to the church, Love one another. He's saying to husbands and wives, 
to be there for each other. Harry and I talked about this in front of youth groups when we were first starting out in ministry. That we would say we would never say something negative about each each behind our back, behind each's back. We never would say negative things because that would only undermine our marriage. And so they're just little things. It's the little things. You know, maybe things that that irk you. There may be things that irk you, that drive you crazy. I've heard somebody was breaking up because so-and-so left the toothpaste on the sink. You know, it's stuff like that. that Stuff happens. But am I willing to love even though they're not perfect? It's okay. Well, we're going the same direction. I heard one of the greatest, one of the thoughts that came out of Lake Geneva, our Bible camp, and it was in a men's advance meeting. And the speaker was talking about his, the home. He was talking about marriage. And he had, he had went to some rough times with his wife. He had been to some rocky places. And they were arguing. And he was talking about this. And I forget it was either he or she that said, right in the middle of their argument, he said, wait a minute. I am for you, not against you. You know, we can, we can disagree, but how we work it out is the whole big deal. We can't force anyone to become whatever, right? You stand for God. You stand with him. One of the letters to Peter that Peter wrote talked about a woman that they had an unbelieving husband. Here's what he said to do. Don't preach at him. Just love him. Respect him. Honor him. And let the love of God be reflected through you. I think there are things that we wrestle with, we struggle with, we think, how am I ever going to make it? Is there any hope for me? Yes, because Jesus is for you. Jesus wants you to love people. Jesus wants forgiveness. Jesus wants reconciliation. Sometimes reconciliation can't happen because there's one that says no to me. And they give up. That happens. If it happens, you still have to go to the Lord and say, here. This is what I am. This is where I'm at. You know what? Your church also needs to be a safe place. And people that are struggling, and people that have had tr- trouble, and their boat has taken on water, and they're this close to going under. The church needs to be there to embrace them. Help them bail out. 
not to condemn, no condemnation. You see, it's this, the cross is level. At the cross, the ground is level. We all need to come to the cross. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what is the will of God all about? He's recognizing what he's done for us and that we have ability to change. We have the ability to help the Holy Spirit to become more like him. And so, let me sing one more song in conclusion. A song that talks about building our lives up in the faith without having a foundation. We didn't get into that stuff. About having a foundation of God in our life. And um, It's so important to understand you are not going to be able to do this by yourself. So it comes down to it, unless the Lord builds a house, we live in vain. I'm going to invite you to stand.